Welcome to our show, Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Pictures, and we haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the very often made-for-TV movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today, we are talking about 2003's The Cheetah Girls. The Cheetah Girls. It's not Cheetah Girls. It's The Cheetah Girls. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even know that. Apparently. Um, I, I should probably check that. <laughs> no, it is The Cheetah Girls. Yeah, it is The Cheetah Girls. Yeah. But people just say Cheetah Girls. Yeah. I was going to say that I have very fond memories of this one. And it, it even got so serious as to perform Cinderella with three other girls in my senior year of high school. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, man. In what context? In, at Cabaret Night. For? Which is a show choir event. A fundraiser. <laughs> There's a raffle and some baskets. And we all wore cheetah print. And wow. I was... I can't remember what I sang now. I can't remember which one I was. Well, I am sure that once we start watching, you will remember. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we'll start with the facts about this movie. Cheetah, excuse me, the, the Cheetah Girls premiered on the Disney Channel on August 15th, 2003. It was directed by Oz Scott, who is best known for directing Black Lightning, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and Gotham. The movie was based on a series of novels by Deborah Gregory with, like, heavy plot revisions, I'm pretty sure, helmed by screenplay writer Allison Taylor, who wrote episodes of Lizzie McGuire, was a story editor for Married with Children. She also wrote Barbie in the Pink Shoes, which is a weird, like, 2013 Barbie animated movie, like, way past the good era. But she was also the creator of Jess Jordan, which is a show that I fully forgot about until I was researching them. It's just Jordan. I know. It's just Jordan. It's just Jordan. Jordan. Yeah. Oh, she's got Cheetah Girls 2 up her sleeve. She's got just Jordan. She's got all that. Oh, how did I miss all that? She's got the Nick Cannon show. Oh, okay. So she was like a heavy hitter of the genre. Dang. That's what I'm hearing. That's so good. So... Plot synopsis. So the IMDb one was incredibly bad. It was like, four girls sing together. Period. Like, it was, period. It was so short. I was like, interesting. So I went to a a place that always has good content for the Disney movies, Disney Plus. So um, Disney Plus says, meet the Cheetah Girls, four teens facing the challenges of growing up as they sing and dance their way toward that elusive record deal. The girls soon meet... Jackal Johnson? Jackal Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) Horrible. The girls soon meet a famous record producer who takes them from talent shows to recording studios. But when the feisty foursome learns that their big break comes with strings attached, the girls must stay true to themselves to achieve their dreams. I feel like that gives away way too much. Yeah, how dare they not include Jackal's name in the synopsis? (laughs) Would you care to uh, read the tagline? (laughs) The tagline is, what? Oh my God. (laughs) The tagline is, they have one shot to show their spots. (laughs) 
horrible. I wrote Wait, LMFAO. It's kind of really funny. I know. It's kind of good. I know. They have one shot to show their spots. I know. Disney also said talent shows to recording studios, which means that they want the emphasis to be on talent shows to recording studios. To make it rhyme. <laughs> I love the illusion that one can get a record deal based off a talent show from this movie. Well, they don't they go to LaGuardia or something yeah, in this movie? It makes a little more sense. Yeah. No, they go to Manhattan Magnet. Oh right. <laughs> Which is knockoff. Yeah. LaGuardia. It's it is knockoff LaGuardia. <laughs> um Okay, the cast, Raven Simone I'm going to pronounce it right, even though she is like kind <laughs> she's like a like kind of a dick and in, in my understanding, but whatever. Raven Simone as Galleria, Adrian Bailon is how she pronounces it because I interviewed her one time when I was working for Jim Brickman. Adrian Bailon Houghton as Chanel, Keely Williams as Aqua. Well, they call her Aqua in the movie, but her real name Full is name, Aquanetta. Aquanetta. And Sabrina Bryan, and I didn't write down the name. Dorinda. I know. Right now it's just, and Sabrina Bryan. Love as, her. As Dorinda. So um, there's a lot of personality going on in that group of women. And there's drama on screen. There was lots of drama off screen. I'm glad I wasn't involved in the production of The Cheetah Girls personally. I wish I was there. <laughs> it would stress me out. Personally. I couldn't handle it. So before we dive more into stuff about the film, I just wanted to catch you up, Audrey, on what was going on culturally in 2003. Please enlighten me. In our particular sector. (laughs) So uh, I was in third grade. You were in first first grade. Slash I was finishing second grade and you were finishing kindergarten. So we we were little. Wait, that's crazy. I know. So this movie came out in August of 2003. And That's So Raven came out on January 17th. 2003, or that's when the series started. So it was like Raven's heyday, mm-hmm. rising star, all of that, with lots of Disney Channel affiliated things. Like she was already famous from the Cosby show and stuff like that, but now she was like a teen. Yeah. She was no longer a little child on the Cosby show. The Lizzie McGuire movie came out right before The Cheetah Girls. It came out in May. I found this article online. It was on and I'll link to it in the show notes somewhere, talking about how the summer of 2003 was a cultural high point. And I do feel like that's Clearly. true. Because that's we all say. <laughs> yeah, well, there's even more. Fall Out Boy came out with their first album. America's Next Top Model was first starting. The movie from Justin to Kelly came out with, like, the American Idol winners in a, in a fictional romance. Do you know about that even? No, I don't remember that. Oh, yeah, it was a thing. Beyonce's solo album debut came out, Dangerously in Love, Freaky Friday came out with Lindsay Lohan, and Hilary Duff released her first album, Metamorphosis. Wow. This really, all the stuff is like on the edge of my consciousness. (laughs) Like it already existed for like three or four years by the time I realized what it was. Yeah. Like I remember seeing the cover of Metamorphosis in our neighbor's bedroom for the first time. Really? Yeah. Like, I remember looking at it and being like, oh, this looks good. (laughs) Uncle Dale bought me Metamorphosis. Yeah. And I remember him handing it to me on my birthday, and we were in the driveway of our house, and he had it all wrapped up, and I, like, unwrapped it slightly and just saw one Hillary Duff eye. (laughs) To who? To Uncle Dale. For doing that. That's really nice. I know. Isn't that, like, very tone aware? (laughs) Yeah. It was impressive. Anyway... 
summer of 2003 was very, very big. There was a lot of um, really horrible, like, Bush-era Iraq stuff going on at the time, which is also noteworthy. But in our consciousness as children, this was the main course. So this is what we were thinking about, (laughs) right? (laughs) So anyway, the Cheetah Girls. Audrey, when was the last time you watched this movie? So... I think I've watched it semi-recently, as I have with almost all of the movies we're going to cover, um, because you just need that annual refresher. Like, you got to <laughs> keep it fresh in your mind. So probably 2017 or 2018. Um, I don't think within the past year, but I feel like I've always seen these movies recently, like no matter how long it's been, because they're like friends to you, you know? <laughs> yes. I cannot remember the last time I saw this movie I feel weirdly caught up on the content because I watch a lot of videos from uh, The Real with Adrian on it. So I, like, see Adrian doing things all the time. But in Raven, I guess, like, by proxy. But yeah. I don't know about the other two. How strange that um, Raven and Adrian ended up both on those daytime talk shows, like The View and The Real. It makes sense to me, though. That's crazy. And then... Keely, I know what she's up to. What is she up to? She, um, she's a mother of like four kids. Okay. And she, um, Raven was on Instagram Live. I saw this too. Did you see that? I, it's in my notes. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, but go ahead and say what it was. Raven was on Instagram Live with somebody. I don't know who. Do you know who it was? It was Keely. No. She wasn't oh. on Instagram Live with Keely. She was no. on Instagram Live with somebody else and they were talking about Keely because No, Ke- they were talking about. We're probably talking about two different things. She was on Instagram Live talking shit about two different Cheetah Girls things? Oh, was she talking Maybe. Because when I watched it, I mean, I literally watched it. Okay, what it. did you see? Um, So there was an Instagram Live of Raven talking to somebody. I forget who the other person was. But they were talking about Keely's only single that she dropped, like, years ago. Actually, oh. it, it might not have been that long ago. but And they were, like, straight up mocking it. Like on Instagram Live, and uh, that's crazy. Really, yeah. What I the Instagram Live I was referring to. This article came out on April twentieth, twenty twenty, so pretty recently, in terms of how long the franchise has been alive. And it was that Raven was having an Instagram Live with Keely, and Keely started like messily spewing all these details about how. Adrian, like, didn't come to her dad's funeral and how Adrian was, like, a fake best friend to her and was just, like, airing it all out on IG. They're all messy except Sabrina, who just, (laughs) she stays in her lane. I know. Uh, It's not surprising. And, like, I did recently look at her Instagram after that, after I watched that Instagram live, and um, she's just chilling. Like, she's still a dancer. She's a performer. Like, I I like her, you know? She seems chill. Yeah. (laughs) She reminds me a lot of our cousin Marissa. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Always. We should tell her that. Yeah. I feel like she would think that's a compliment. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. How is it not? She was in the cheetah girl. She's a cheetah girl. <laughs> um. Anyway, so what are the things you do remember about this movie? So the main thing that I remember is just the absolute shenanigans that <laughs> Galleria puts them through. She's on 10 the entire movie, and everybody else <laughs> is on, like, six and a half. And, um... <laughs> She says, um, like, specifically, they're at, I remember, they are at Jackal Johnson's studio or whatever. And Raven rolls up and she's, like, late or something or just something. I don't 
remember the exact specifics. Galleria and Chanel are in the bathroom, and um, Chanel's, like, counseling her and, like, talking to her. And then because Galleria stepped in dog poop, and then so Chanel's, like, wiping it off of her shoe. And then Galleria goes, like, thanks, Chuchi, and, like, taps her on the head, and she's like, you're the one. And it's just like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. All right, what else you got? Cinderella is an amazing song, mm-hmm. um, just on its own. But I I recently learned from a TikTok <laughs> that um, it originally wasn't the Cheetah Girls song. It was originally performed by a girl group called I-5. Um, and they only survived as a group for one year, 2000 to 2001. Yes, I also encountered this in my research. Yeah, and... Um, the idea of the group I-5 was that they were all from different countries. <laughs> international Five? Yeah. The International the Five. five That's also, like, kind of what they do in Cheetah Girls. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's almost like the Cheetah Girls is kind of inspired, inspired by, by I-5 in a way. Hmm. Well, what I fa- – wait. Even though it's a book, right? Yes, it is a book. But I'm so. pretty sure that – I think, like, a running theme with Cheetah Girls is that there's, like, this really thin and basically invisible line between what is real and what is fictional for the sake of the story. Because it was I-5's song, and then it was a different – okay, I-5 had the song, and then a different girl group covered it. And then Cheetah Girls oh, covered their version. Okay. I have it written in here somewhere, but it was like passed through this chain yeah. of like weird corporate girl bands. We should listen to it. Let's let's listen to it. There's 3LW, which was a girl group that existed in real life that had Adrian, Keely, and Naturi in it. And then Keely and Adrian got, like, poached to be in the Cheetah Girls, and Naturi got left out. I know. Which sucks. So sad. Yeah. And then— Reminds me of Black Eyed Peas. Do you know that story? Yes. That's a good one. Yeah. And then then Sabrina and Raven were, like, added in. And then after— Raven still, being the star added in to, like, yeah. give it relevance. Yeah, and then they still made, it like, a Cheetah Girls album, but it was just Sabrina, Adrian, and yeah. Healy. So I remember the matching sweatsuits yeah. at the end of the movie because they're not cute. Like, I don't look at them and think that they're cute, but I'm glad they're there, you know? They are matching. And the head the headbands are the worst part. I know. How, also... That doesn't make sense in the movie. They couldn't just all show up in the same sweatsuit. Like, Unless they just, like, happen to have it, which I do believe. But, like, what are the odds that they'd all be wearing it on the same day? Yeah. And then they – and then it, like, makes Galleria's dog come out of, like, a pothole or yeah, something. because that is the worst – Like I'm just sad that that's the climax of the movie is that yeah. Galleria's dog falls into a – um, manhole manhole and then they sing and the dog somehow comes out the but dog can suddenly fly out <laughs> the entire firefighter squadron just squadron uh, just, uh, just to provide backup have them sing and have it work so weird and then my last thing i remember is that there is another tragic case of the useless romantic interest for galleria in this movie 
I did not even remember yeah, that, that it's existed. Yeah, so, it's just not even so relevant. Weird. You don't even believe it. Like, you just don't. Yeah, I have no idea who that person would even be, yeah. but I will. I'm about to find That's out. That's funny. You don't remember the character? I have virtually no memory <laughs> of the character <laughs> at all. The things I remember were that the producer, this hitmaker man named Jackal Johnson, <laughs> left, like, a really big impression on me as, like, this, like, scuzzy entertainment man. I don't know. I remember his, like, blue sunglasses, and he's just horrible. Yeah. Um, I hated that Galleria's name meant mall. That's, like, the stupidest thing ever. And doesn't she have, like, a shoe thing? Like, she's really into shoes. No, Aqua's really into clothes. I mean, Galleria might be really into shoes, but Aqua's really into clothes. But both of these things... Do you mean Aqua or do you mean Chanel? Aqua. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, right. Okay, I'm getting it all confused. Because Chanel's really into clothes, um, but so is Aqua in the second movie. Oh. And you don't learn that Galleria's name is Maul until the second movie. I mean, I guess you could know that. Oh, but okay. Yeah. The problem is, and this this leads into my next note, is that I have seen the second <laughs> Cheetah Girls like so many more. Almost times. like yeah, like almost a comparable amount of times to how many times I've seen like High School Musical two, which is like yeah. hundreds of times. Iconic. <laughs> um, and I think part of that is because. Audrey and I grew up on, like, a very heavy diet of PBS, Nickelodeon, and Cartoon Network, and we didn't discover Disney Channel until I was in, like, fifth grade. And so we got a later start on all those Disney Channel shows than a lot of other people did because we didn't even know it existed. I don't remember that. I remember that. That's so funny. Channel 64, we did not know. It was only one down from Nickelodeon. No, it was Nickelodeon was 28, Cartoon Network was 29. At some point, Nickelodeon was 65. That might have been TLC. I don't know. Well, we anyway. watched a lot of TLC also. I don't know. I'm shocked that I still remember those channels. I remember always thinking that whenever I had the lucky chance to see the first Cheetah Girls instead of the second one when it was on, I'd it always was be like, like a gem. Yeah, I'd be like, this one is so much better than the second one. I don't know about that. Maybe I was just so sick of Cheetah Girls too. Yeah. Even though the songs are really good in Cheetah Girls too. I f- I don't really know which one I like more, but. The second one I can recall a little more easily. Yeah, there's some good songs in that one. Yeah. The Cheetah Girls is also just like very post-Destiny's Child vibe-wise, which is fun. Mm -hmm. And the songs are great. It's just powerful. It's just a powerful movie. So, you ready to watch it? Yes. So maybe you should log into your Disney Plus Ask your friend for a Disney Plus login. Just get that password, whatever you do. (laughs) And you should watch it, have a snack or something. Come back and we will discuss. Hi, I'm Christina Yerling-Biro, host of the podcast Pop Culture Confidential. Join me as I go way behind the scenes with some of the most influential people in entertainment and media. Hear actors such as Succession's Brian Cox talk about his favorite characters to play. There always has to be a mystery. The audience have to be in a situation where they want to know what's going on. Meet studio execs like Pixar chief Pete Docter and learn his secret on how he makes us cry. Emotion is our first language. And so many others who are defining popular culture, from Obama speechwriter David Litt to Top Chef host Padma Lakshmi. We don't often think about food politically or we don't want to, but it really is. Join me. Search for Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. 
We are back. We watched The Cheetah Girls, and it was really something. (laughs) Um, Initial impression? You want to go? Yeah. I did not enjoy this movie. I... I have a lot of thoughts about it that we'll get into, but it did it it was not as good as I hoped it would be. What do you think? I don't even know what I thought it was going to be because it was still pretty fresh in my mind. I was saying while we were watching it, like, I wish I could see this movie with fresh eyes because I know it's psycho. <laughs> but um it's like sometimes things are just so ingrained that it's hard to like evaluate obviously it's not amazing like it's right you know (laughs) but But it's like the highest rated disney channel movie like it like it did better than high school musical like i think it was more watched on the disney channel than high school musical was i i doubt that i read it today but i but i really don't remember the source that well so who knows yeah Were there any particular things that jumped out to you that you forgot about? Yes. So I completely forgot about the Manhattan Magnet talent show slash drama-ish teacher named Drinka. Drinka Champagne. Drinka Champagne, that being her, like, cabaret singer name in 1977 or something. I think she was like, I wrote down Drinka Champagne giving me NYC in the 70s disco diva vibe. Because she said she had a hit song at some point. Yes, and she sings it momentarily, and it is very disco. Yeah, she's, like, kind of the best character in the thing. Yeah, forgot about her, um, but it makes sense because I do feel like she is Whitney Houston inspired in a some way. Yeah, which we forgot to mention, one of the producers of this movie is Whitney Houston. Yeah. Which makes sense mm-hmm. if you know the other movies she's produced. Yeah. She also produced Princess Diaries. That's big. I know. Do you think that she produced the Cinderella she was in? She did. There you go. Executive. Wow. Mm-hmm. We should see what other movies she produced Yeah. and discuss because... Those are three real good ones. Yeah, she provided. She really did. I also had Drinka written down, but I had her written down as one of the good parts of the movie. The one thing I forgot about was that there was a love interest literally at all for Raven. Because it's not important. I mean, it does take up a good amount of time, though. Yeah, they give it a strange amount of time. Like, I feel like I know more about that guy almost than I do about Aqua. Yeah, who gets no well, plot line. you know, like, nothing about either she of them. Nothing. She gets hot sauce and she gets being from the South. Yeah. And and, and being afraid of germs. And that that's, like, it. Oh, yeah. I guess that is it. Um, I forgot about uh, how bad the climax is. <laughs> yeah. It is such a catastrophe. The last third of this movie, I would say. It is... needed a solid rewrite. <laughs> did need a solid rewrite. Audrey made a good point when we were watching that she said that it felt like an episode of TV. Yeah. And I totally agree. That we would accept and be like, that's amazing. Because it would be. As um, back at that time in 2003 or whatever, if it was just an episode or like even like a two-parter, yeah, it would be good. I don't think it would be amazing. I think no, it would be acceptable. Think about the episodes that we, like, accepted in our youth, though. Yeah, well, like, accepted versus it being good. Yeah. Two different things. 
Another thing that I really appreciated, I'm really trying to stay positive because I have a lot of things to complain about in this movie, is that Chanel and Galleria's bedrooms are really cool looking. Yeah. They gave me a similar vibe to when in other movies and TV of this era when people's lockers are like unbelievably tricked out. Like their rooms kind of had that vibe. That could only be the work of a 35-year-old production designer, but (laughs) we're just going to go with it. Yeah, like Raven has like projected the, the cheetah, cheetah girls, girls on her headboard. wall. It's like, like, how does she have the tech for that? You know, she's got Manhattan magnet resources. Mm. They can just, <laughs> they can just customize that go that bow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Do you have anything else to say about things that are better now? Well, we were talking about things we forgot about. Either I ended up going into things that are better oh. now. Uh, I feel like a lot of the lingo kind of hit better now just because I'm an adult, so, like, I can process it. Yeah, well, also, a lot of the lingo that's in this movie or, like, slang is slang that people of color invented, and almost everyone in this movie is a person of color, and now it's in 2020, and, like, white people have vultured, like, all, Uh (laughs) all that stuff. So, like, you and me, like, two... Very white girls yeah. know it now, but yeah. we didn't know it then. No. Which is Raven says drama and kaflama. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like she calls someone like janky. Yeah, jank, toe up. Yeah. There was a bunch of stuff like that. Yeah, there's so many slang terms. Mm-hmm. Which is the work of Allison right. Taylor? I think that's her name. Allison. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Good memory. <laughs> Thank you, Allison. Thank you, Allison. <laughs> What else do you have? Um, oh, yeah. This is my last thing. Okay. Um, I forgot about what the score sounds like in this movie. And uh. the score is so clearly... It, it's so clear that the director went to the composer and was like, I just want early 2000s girl group type of vibe for the score. Yeah, or like Britney Spears karaoke tracks. Yeah, because that's literally what it is. It is what it is. It's fun, though. It's fun. Yeah, I like it. I like it when it dramatically cuts out for, like, certain lines of dialogue. Yeah. Like, that it's happened a bunch so of times. not subtle. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's, like, funky music playing in Galleria's, like, tell your mom to keep her shopping trip and <laughs> storm out. And then the music cuts out, and she's like, actually... Take the shopping trip. And then it comes back in. Yeah. It's just very on the nose, but, like, that's the whole movie, so it makes sense. Are we ready to move on to parts that are worse now? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so this is kind of chronological, but the first thing— Well, first of all, this is not something that was worse. It's something that was better. How did the movie start? An aerial shot of New York. Oh, yes. (laughs) Always. It's a sign. We do appreciate that. (laughs) When you are hit with that stock footage of Central Park from an aerial view, that's when you know the next shot's going to be in Toronto, Canada, (laughs) in a Disney Channel original movie. Just look at those city streets and tell me it doesn't scream Canada. (laughs) And the extras. Yeah. Okay, so... This movie has the classic thing going on where the characters are supposed to be a lot younger than they look. So they're supposed to be freshmen in high school. So 14, 15? 14, 15. In the book, they're 12. Oh. <laughs> Aww. So that's, um, cute. that's interesting. Also, in the book, there's five girls, which I found out as we were watching. I was doing some Googling because this movie was boring me. Um, <laughs> Aqua was supposed to have a twin. Oh. And so there was supposed to be two 
aquas, basically. Mm -hmm. But apparently, this is Wikipedia, so who knows. But on Wikipedia, it said that Disney, quote, couldn't find name recognizable twins to be in the movie. So they just got rid of one of them. How funny would it be if they put Mary-Kate and Ashley in this? I'm sure it would have been real rough. (laughs) But they were the right age. You know who probably would have been the right age is Tia and Tamara. Yeah. But I bet they can't sing and dance. Yeah, I, I don't think it's in their wheelhouse. I don't think they but, do that. I mean, Allison Taylor had the hookup. Like She, she did have the hookup. How did she not know anyone? I mean, there weren't that many. They probably wanted twins that were known. I guess it's kind of sad that there's, like, one pair of, like, known black twins. And there's hardly any <laughs> pairs of known twins at <laughs> yeah, all. I guess that's really so, true. I mean, that's really true. I'm thinking... Like, for anyone. <laughs> like, I don't. Yeah, I feel like famous twins, the only ones that really are, are Mary-Kate and Ashley. And, and Tia and Tamara. Um, are we just blanking? If you know any famous Property twins brothers. from... <laughs> <laughs> Put them in Cheetah Girls. <laughs> That's what we were looking for. Property Brothers. Hey, they were alive. They were, they were like teens, probably. That probably. <laughs> It's a whole new kind of uh, of girl group. (laughs) It's like a review. Okay. So I also found it really jarring that at the very beginning, Chanel's like, I don't like working with Dorinda and Aqua. I wish it was just you and me. Yeah. To her and Raven. And then that like never comes up again. Well, they're clearly the pre-existing friendship out of the group. It really, to me, it was clear that Chanel and Galleria are, like, friends their whole life. Like, yeah. they're, they've been best friends. Yeah. And, like, I think it might even be as far as their moms were friends as models. Yes. Um, I got that vibe, too. Yeah. But then Aqua and Dorinda are, like, add-ons because they're becoming a girl group. Right. So they're, like, new to the group and they're just not, they don't have that relationship. How do they even know that Aqua can do shit, though? Like, how would they have even they figured don't that establish out? Because, <laughs> like, we don't see the audition for <laughs> the girl. I want to know how they got them because they never really explained that. No. I think that's weird. This movie's just really hard to watch in general, mostly because Raven is like, well, first of all, she's like beautiful in this movie. Her hair looks amazing the whole time. Um, but she's like so. She's such a ham. She's such, like, a textbook ham that sometimes it's, like, mm-hmm. too much. Which works in, like, That's a Raven because that's, like, the style of the show. Yeah. and Because she, she is the style of the yeah, show. Yeah, she b- became the style of the show. But in this movie, it's, like, kind of like I said before, like, Raven's on 10. And then, um, to me, like, Chanel is the one who really Adrian, not Chanel, yeah. is the one who brings like the realistic acting and like yeah. brings it a little bit back to Yeah, she's normal. a she's such a star in this movie. Yeah. I don't really know if this is like a bad thing, but it's just hard to decipher is the way that they shot the musical numbers uh-huh. for this movie because it kind of like pops into like early 2000s music video style when they start singing. Yes. But it's not fantasy. 
Like, it is actually happening. Yeah, it's really confusing. So it has, like, the lookbook of an early 2000s music video, but it it is actually occurring in the scene. So you kind of need to, like, just suspend your disbelief yeah. for that. It made me feel like they were just super ready to, like, drag and drop that into, like, the music video slot in, during commercial breaks. Yeah, and I think that, I think that really is, like, Disney's motivation. Yeah for this movie entirely which is you know it it all adds up because that's the best part is just the songs the songs yeah i guess they couldn't just like release an album they needed like more of they a vehicle a story yeah yeah one thing about this movie that's super weird to me is that for the first half it's like raven i'm just gonna i'll say their character names galleria and chanel are like super preoccupied with getting rich but they seem like they're already rich. They are. <laughs> so, like, they already have, like, these beautiful homes and, like, hot moms. And it's just, like, why do they need butlers? Like, why is money the motivator? I feel like they should talk more about oh, fame. fame. I mean, I think to them it's one and the same. I think yeah. that's basically what they're thinking. But then once it gets all um, – We've learned Dorinda's truth. Oh, God. They yeah. stop talking about money. <laughs> yeah, I have that under the problematic section, and we will get to all that, because that was, like, one of the wildest parts of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. I have one more thing for mm-hmm. bad. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like, Hannah and I are, like, 99% sure that they have a voice actress dubbing one of Raven's songs, which is when she's sitting at the piano um, when she's sad. Like her 45-second, like, Alicia Keys knockoff yeah, song. Yeah, and it's very bizarre, though, because she sings otherwise the entire movie. And then I'm just pretty sure that's not her voice because it doesn't sound it like doesn't her. It doesn't sound like her. But and also it was, like, higher. if you really look at her lips, it's not right. Yeah, I thought that was really weird, too. Yeah. Maybe the production sound was bad and they were like, oh, Raven's busy now. We're going to get this Literally, girl to like, do it. That could be it, That's though. That's probably – that could be it. But you really think they would have her sing it live? I think potentially for that scene only mm-hmm. because it was like a – Like unplugged. Sitting at the piano thing. <clears throat> like I think potentially they did try to have her sing it live and she like wasn't good or something like that. Yeah. Really, for things that are worse, I always thought that the – dog thing was a really really horrible way to wrap up the movie but like it was even worse now and not only does that happen but then it turns into this weird like very unclear whether it's in real life or in fantasy like (laughs) production number (laughs) featuring like the people of new york and the girls who are all coincidentally in their matching sweatsuits when yeah. they meet up. And then they somehow win the talent show that they didn't even go to because they danced on the news, I guess. And like, Yeah. If this movie was just like 10% more of a musical. It would have been we fine. We could have forgiven it a lot more. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it kind of suffers from the same thing that parts of Confessions, Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen suffer from. Yeah, which is like, let's just get let's just get this straight. Like, is it a musical? Is it not? Yeah, but we don't get those answers. We don't get, yeah. We get nothing of the, of the sort. Of the sort. It's not a musical. <laughs> okay, so how dated is this movie? I mean... <laughs> or, like, what were the elements that felt like... I mean, the entire, like, motivation of this movie is dated. I mean, as far as, like, the girl group of the early 2000s. Like, it's almost like Spice Girls 
inspired. Yeah. Um, With like the international stuff. Yeah. I mean, like the very, it's very being is like the DNA of this movie is like 2003. Yeah, that's really true. I think that a lot of the stuff that they try to pull off with Dorinda's family would like, I think parts of it would be totally fine, but like just there's just elements of it where it's like it's uncomfortable. super uncomfortable. <laughs> I think mostly just because like I think the whole scene where like Chanel shows up and finds out that Dorinda is like this foster child living in this home with like a ton of people. I think that like maybe in 2003, maybe there was more well, what I was going to say is like maybe there was more shame around being of mixed heritage, but the whole but like Chanel's whole thing is that she's mixed. Remember at the beginning it's like she's Dominican, she's Puerto Rican, she's yeah. all this. Like mm-hmm. and that's like a thing that she's really proud of, so it's like a little bit confusing when mm-hmm. Dorinda's like, "I don't know what I am. This this and this." I think it's just like shame-based because she doesn't have her parents. She doesn't actually know what she yeah. is. Yeah. Versus knowing what you are. Right. Well, it's also interesting, too, because when we were talking earlier, we were like, we were like, Dorinda's the white representation in the girl group. And earlier in the movie, Dorinda's like, I'm the white girl. Like, she literally says, like. Shrimpy and white. Like, I'm shrimpy and white. But then later on, she's like, I don't even know if I'm white. And it's kind of a thing that they talk about, which I do think. It's, like, interesting in regards to today as well. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think that Disney Channel probably wouldn't do something like that now, though. No, I don't think they'd go there. Which is sad. Yeah. Because, like, there's more mixed people living in America now than there were 15 years ago. They should. But I think there's just so much fear Yeah. from a corporate standpoint. They, like, don't want to take those types Mm -hmm. of risks. I feel like back then it wasn't necessarily viewed as a risk. It's... Strange, because I never felt like Disney Channel was ever, like, outwardly political. Um, which it's is definitely not. It's, but it's not. But compared to now, their their political moves are so calculated that they come off as really inauthentic. Yeah, well, and also it shouldn't be, like, a political move to have a movie with, like, with, four girls of color yeah. as the leads. Mm-hmm. Because... Serena Ryan is Latina. Yeah. Not white. And, they, like, they've almost walked They've almost, like, backpedaled in that aspect. They totally have. Well, because there was, like, all this stuff. There was, like... Like, I've watched a bunch of YouTube videos on this before. And basically, like, this era of kids' TV, you had, like, so much more diversity. Like, this kind of stuff. Like, even all that and, like, stuff on Nickelodeon. Mm -hmm. Keenan and Kel. Like, there was way more variance in the kind of stuff you saw. And then it turned into, like... And then it turned into... The whitest stuff ever. Like, Camp Rock, Hannah Montana. Wizards of Waverly Place. Yeah. Even though... Selena Gomez is yeah. Latina. And they, yeah, they are. They're like half white, half yeah. Latino. The race stuff is there, and it's an important part of the movie. But there's also just a lot of real crazy shit that happens with Chanel being like, you should be happy you don't know who your mom is. Because she's like mad, <laughs> she's at, like her mad mom. at her mom. She's like being petty, and then she's like, <laughs> yeah, like, you don't know how good you have it. <laughs> yeah, she's literally like, And then that totally disregards the fact that she has a mom. Her foster mom, like, is her mom. Yeah. She calls her mom. Yeah. So why do they all act like she doesn't have a mom? <laughs> like, biological, I guess. And then it keeps coming up throughout the movie. Like, Chanel will be like, I saw what it's like to not have a mom. And then Raven will be like, 
<laughs> they all I just, know you need the money. Like, people are shaking so you about mean it. to her. They're so rude about it for, like, no reason. I um, feel like they're, like, g- genuinely, like, those characters are nicer than how they were written. You know what I mean? You mean, like, the actors played them nicer? No, I, I just feel like, <laughs> I don't know why, this is, like, not a point that can really be made, <laughs> but I just feel like, that's not how humans, like, would act towards her. Those humans. I mean, like maybe 14-year-olds, though. Maybe, but they. I guess it's just strange because they look 18 or 19. So you're yeah. getting that, like, weird feeling of, like, being super petty and immature but looking at an adult. Yeah. Well, and there's also, like, okay, they're supposed to be 14 and there's, like, zero awkwardness. In these yeah. roles. Like, I feel oh like... Oh, my gosh. Raven's competence is, like, more than I will ever I know. Have. Raven could be, like, a mother of four. Yeah. Like, she's, <laughs> like... <laughs> she's a four. She's looking her teachers in the eye, like, come on now, Drinka. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> like, she's, she's like, come on now, Drinka. We all know you're past your prime, sweetie. Yeah, I'm like, it's like, you're 14. You're 14. <laughs> you're 14. <laughs> and even Drinka's kind of, like, just, like, not going off as much as she could. Yeah. So like, weird. No here, please. <laughs> Why couldn't they have been seniors? It would have made sense. Yeah, they totally should have been seniors. Like they could have been like, this is our last shot to get it. Yeah. And that still would have made sense. Like, you know how they like inexplicably like are like, whoa, during their first performance and like fall at yeah. the very beginning. Like yeah. them having done the talent show and like not made it a bunch of times or something yeah. would would have like been similar. Mm-hmm. Or they could have even done like a jump forward in time thing yeah. where like they start off and they're like kind of shaky and they're not that good. And then you like maybe even see a sequence of like them failing in a various montage? ways. Yeah. yeah. And then it's like, okay, we're here senior year. We're going to do it. You right. Know? That would be cool. Yeah. No, that's not what but we got. That's though. not what we got. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was all weird. So, I think the songs in this movie are still really good. Mm, yeah. But in general, this movie is bad. Yeah. Which is surprising because I did not expect it to be bad. The second movie is better. I think that you're right, but I don't really know. I don't really know either because I know there's some like crazy elements to that movie. Um, and, like, a lot goes down in a short amount of time. (laughs) Also, there's, like, a guy named Angel. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Isn't that Raven's love interest? Yeah. Raven gets another love interest, and then (laughs) Blanca? Is that her name? No. (laughs) Who's that? That's in Pose. Who sings, wait? Oh, Marisol. Marisol, yeah. Marisol's her name. Blanca's from Pose. (laughs) No, I know Blanca's from Pose, but I was, like... (laughs) thought it was with a B. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> forbid, God forbid I forget a tertiary character <laughs> from Cheetah you. Girls 2. Who am you. I? I'm, unquali- <laughs> I'm unqualified for this position. Get out. <laughs> I'll do this by myself. <laughs> Just you soliloquying about all of this. You're like, I've watched this four times in the past year. Um. So... I try to come away with some sort of, like, life lesson to take from each of these movies. And, or at least with the ones we've done so far, it's been a little bit easier or, like, a little bit of, like, a deeper analysis. And I will say two things. The first thing is that I think that this probably set the stage for the being talented is inherent to the plot trend of, like, Hannah Montana and all those shows, Camp Rock, like, all that. And High School Musical, like, in its own way. I think that this was probably, like, what 
tipped off like this the, is marketable and like yeah right like like showed money. people they could make money off of like tween targeted musical movies which like was very much a thing before this too but it, right. maybe not in a such new, a new version yeah like a new a new way also, to like approach female it. anchored yeah stuff too yeah um, other than that we got like shirley temple <laughs> going all the way back 1940s even of like greece and stuff like that yeah, like there was usually a male counterpart. Yeah, or like it was like strictly a romance. Yeah, which like I, I mean, but Greece, that's 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 not giving Greece enough credit to say that it's strictly a romance. But you know what I'm saying? Greece, there's all that stuff with like the pink ladies and stuff. Yeah, yeah, the beauty school <laughs> yeah, and that's true. There's other numbers. Yeah, but the other numbers. <laughs> there's other numbers, but like that musical the supporting women <laughs> musicals. I, I don't love. <laughs> anyway, so really the the main thing that made it hard for me to squeeze some juice out of this is that this movie is not actually a coming-of-age movie. It is a music business, rags-to-riches type thing masquerading as a coming-of-age movie. Yeah. Because they don't really end up with riches at the end, but, like, they basically do. It does the classic the goal changes mm-hmm. type thing. Um, and the girls, they don't really learn. I feel like they're still Miss Petty no. on the inside. You know why? Because <laughs> in the second movie, the exact the same, same shit happens. The thing happens again. It's the exact same plot. Which is like kind of realistic for a girl group as we have seen in the yeah. past. And a boy, you know, and a guy group. Yeah. Guy group? Boy group? Boy band? Boy band. <laughs> <laughs> a male group. <laughs> I do want to say, though, that... It is very, very, very obvious and very understandable why there was drama backstage. Yeah. Or drama behind the scenes with these movies because they don't really have great chemistry. Mm-mm. And they obviously all have big personalities. And also, Galleria is like the most hateable character of all time. Yeah. I feel like they were like <laughs> method acting hating her. You know? <laughs> they were like, we really hate her and we're acting like we hate her. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we don't like her that much in real life and all of our scenes oh. are us bullying her. I feel like Keely's hatred is palpable. It's so palpable. She's like rolling her eyes. She's scary in this she movie. She kind of is scary. When she's like, Miss Chanel. Yeah. It's time. Miss Chanel, it's time. Yeah. <laughs> Handle it. Yeah, that's kind of her main trait in this movie is being, like, funny and from the South and then being, like, threatening. Yeah. Which. I mean. I mean. For some reason, she was, like, my favorite, I think. Really? As a kid, yeah. She did have good skirts. She did. I think I just liked her overall persona. It's similar to my favorite of the Powerpuff Girls being (laughs) Bubbles. She's not like Bubbles, though. No, she's more like Buttercup in actuality, yeah. but, like, I don't know why I equated those two things, but Maybe it's I did tails. in my head. Yeah, I don't know. She does have pigtails. Yeah. Yeah, also, everybody always wanted Bubbles, so. Okay, we have literally thought about this on this podcast before, and people did not want Bubbles. People wanted Blossom. Yeah. I forgot we already discussed this. Clearly, it's a theme that comes up with our childhood <laughs> stuff. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so messiness in real life, messiness in the movie. It's super choppy in terms of editing. Just, like, unnatural cuts. I only have one thing left. Okay. (laughs) There is a side aerial count of three in this movie from Dorinda. That's less than I thought. 
Yeah, I mean, tr- she does a lot of tricks, but I think there's only three side aerials. Yes. And, I mean, for one made-for-TV movie, <laughs> three side aerials is a lot. <laughs> that's pretty That's pretty good. Yeah. Any more than that, would you would have been like, oh, that girl and her side aerials. Yeah. Any more than that, it'd be like, okay, you're like, what's, we get it. what's up with this? <laughs> do they want me to learn how to do a side aerial? <laughs> I'd be like subliminal messaging of like, go learn do how to do a side aerial. A side aerial. <laughs> um, okay. I have nothing left to say for the Cheetah Girls. I'm sorry for this movie, I though. mean, should we cover the second one? I think yes, only because we covered this one. If we had only covered the second one, I'd be like, okay, let's stop here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. She might need some justice, some a comeback moment. Yeah. The second one is kind of better. <laughs> okay. I'll be logging on to chompcheetah.com <laughs> to voice my complaints. <laughs> it's hard to wear spots, you know, out here. <laughs> what was the tagline? They got one shot to show their spots. And that they did. And they did. And they tried. <laughs> and they succeeded, just not with us. Yeah. As, As adults. adults. <laughs> Signing off. <laughs> Thank you for listening. You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at tupingpictures.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at tupingpictures and would love to hear from you there. And if you like the show, if it brings back evocative memories of childhood or tweendom or babysitting, share an episode of your choice with your friends. And maybe even leave us an iTunes review telling us what movie you'd like to see us cover next. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts and is edited and produced by me, Hannah Ray Leach. Special thanks to mixing engineer Sean Rule Hoffman and executive producers Michael D'Aloya and David Moss. Our show music is by Josh Perlman Hall. We'll chat again soon. Bye. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.